0: Hey, welcome to The Walk On Podcast. I'm Brent Faulkner. All right, Bible trivia time. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? At least in most English translations of the Bible. The answer? John 11.35, Jesus wept. It may be the shortest verse in the Bible, but it holds so much depth and so many varied opinions surrounded so what do these two words tell us about who jesus is what he came to do and how he feels about us well let's dive into the text to find out but a little bit of setup to what's been happening before that the tensions had been rising between jesus and the jewish religious leaders jesus had just been accused of blasphemy and the religious leaders were preparing to stone him And Jesus gets away, heads across the Jordan River to do ministry there. So now let's read from John chapter 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Let's go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. But Lord, said Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So there you have it. That's the context of the shortest verse in the English Bible Jesus wept. But the question is, why? Why did Jesus weep? Why was he deeply moved? Well, it's the answer to this that brings all kinds of different opinions and different perspectives about who Jesus is and what he came to do and our response to him. So one approach is to look at this section of Scripture through the lens of Jesus' divinity and kind of this bigger cosmic perspective. This is a turning point in events that lead up to the crucifixion and resurrection, the Gospel of John is divided into two parts. The first part is often called the book of signs it 's Jesus' ministry and all of these miracles, these signs that he was performing. but then the second half of the book seems to slow down and only focus in on the week leading up to Jesus crucifixion and resurrection and this miracle of Lazarus coming out of the grave is the turning point and it's this Event that sets things into motion leading up to Jesus' final week. And as you read through from, from a larger cosmic perspective, it, it seems like everyone around Jesus is missing what's really going on. When Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he proclaims that the sickness will not end in death, that it's for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's as if he's saying there's a, a greater purpose to Lazarus's sickness. Yet it seems like his disciples and even Mary and Martha miss this truth. When Jesus announces that they should head back to Judea, the disciples remind him that it's not safe. You know, they just fled from there and the religious leaders still want to stone him. But it's almost as if Jesus has a greater mission in mind that the disciples don't completely understand. And then when Jesus arrives at Bethany, Martha comes out and declares that if only Jesus had been there, he could have healed her brother. But Jesus says that she will see him again. And yet it seems that she misses the intent of what Jesus was trying to say and thinks that this means to a a later resurrection of the dead. And it's here then that Jesus gives one of the seven I am statements found in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And Whoever lives by believing in me will never die, right? It seems as as if Martha doesn't fully grasp who Jesus is or what he came to do. In fact, I find it interesting the number of times that the gospel writer uses the word believe in Martha and Jesus' conversation. And then we see that Mary meets Jesus, and in her grief, she shares the same sentiment as Martha. If only you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died, And it's in this moment that John tells us that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled, and then he asked to see the grave, and then he wept. John uses a couple of interesting Greek words to describe Jesus weeping and being deeply moved in his spirit. In fact, the the word he uses for Jesus, weeping, is different than the word that he uses for Mary and the other mourners, weeping. And it's actually the only time in the New Testament that this particular Greek word is used. And then the Greek word that's translated as as deeply moved is only used four other times in the New Testament. Um, Twice here in John 11 and once in Matthew and two times in Mark. And again, it isn't very clear on the best way to translate, but some scholars translate it as angered or having indignation. And so the question is, what is it that deeply troubled Jesus? What moved him and what caused him to weep? So the uniqueness of those words describing Jesus being deeply moved and the way that he wept, in combination with all of the ways that it seems the gospel writer points out this this tension between what Jesus is trying to do and then everyone's misunderstanding of it, that's led some people to wonder if Jesus being deeply moved and weeping was connected to the the misunderstanding of his greater mission, that his tears expressed a desire for people to truly understand who he was and what he was about to do, and he was moved by, by the misunderstanding and the unbelief of the people around him. In fact, I wrote a paper in college making just that point that Jesus weeping was connected to almost a sense of frustration over the the misunderstanding of of who he was and his greater mission it was a good paper i think i got an a on it but as i look back i realize that was a season of life with with knowledge but little life experience and i think i missed a deeper understanding of what's going on here i think that perspective is true i i Perhaps John is trying to connect those dots. But there's another way of looking at this section of scripture and the phrase that Jesus wept. So, if the previous perspective was kind of looking at it through the lens of Jesus' divinity, let's look back at this passage through the lens of Jesus' humanity, right? After all, the mystery of the incarnation is that Jesus is fully God and fully human. Both of those aspects of Jesus are. Are equally true at the same time. So if you read back through John 11, there's some other things that pop out. If you look at it through Jesus' humanity, you get the sense that the gospel writer is going out of his way to point out the relationship between Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha. When the sisters first send news of the illness, they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And then in verse 5, the, the gospel writer inserts this detail. He says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, right? And those details matter. I think the gospel writer is letting us know that Jesus isn't some stoic. He's relational and he deeply cares for Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And then when Jesus arrives at Bethany, he encounters Martha and Mary face to face as they express their anguished grief. If only you were here, if only you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And even if Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still empathizes with those that he loves and he sees them in their grief. In verse 33, it seems to connect Jesus being moved and troubled with seeing the people that he loves weeping. It says, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, right? It's in this moment of facing the grief of his loved ones that Jesus weeps. And so I think the gospel writer paints a pretty clear picture of Jesus' love and empathy for those that are suffering and those that are grieving, and then let's also look at the pressure that Jesus felt for himself. And the disciples clearly point out that if Jesus heads back towards Bethany, which is right next to Jerusalem, that he was going to face some trouble. Right? He had narrowly escaped being stoned to death earlier, and he likely knows that heading back close to Jerusalem will set into motion the events that will lead to his death and his suffering on the cross. And we're told in the Gospel of Luke how this weighs heavily on Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying and he sweats drops of blood and he prays that this cup of suffering might be taken away from him. And so he's making the decision to head back towards Jerusalem for the sake of his friends, for the sake of alleviating their suffering. He's willing to face his own suffering. And I can imagine that also Jesus... Was holding the tension and knowing that in this moment he could come and he could raise Lazarus from the dead and relieve some of the suffering and grieving of his friends. But doing that would set into motion events leading to his own crucifixion, causing his friends to suffer and grieve all over again. And I wonder if in this moment Jesus is facing the brokenness of the world. And I wonder if it's in this moment that Jesus is holding the tension of all of these things together, seeing the the suffering and grief of the people that he loves, facing the brokenness of the world, knowing that soon he is going to be suffering and causing grief for his friends all over again, and all of those things well up inside of him, causing him to be moved and to weep. Jesus cares for the brokenhearted. So there's just a couple of different perspectives that you can pull out of this scripture that may explain why Jesus was weeping. And so then the question is, which is it? Was Jesus moved and deeply troubled and led to tears because of the misunderstanding of who he truly was and the mission of what he was trying to accomplish Or was he moved because he stood empathizing with those suffering? The answer, I think, is yes. It's both and. And that's the beauty and the mystery of Jesus. He's both and. He's the cosmic Christ shifting the balance of eternity towards redemption. And he's also the close friend sitting among those grieving He weeps in the grief and suffering of those next to him while also knowing he was about to overcome the world and bring a path to wholeness and healing, but the world would not understand. It's those two tensions, the both and, I think brings out the beauty of who Jesus is. And so in the narrative flow of the Gospel of John, the resurrection of Lazarus, is a seed planted, glimpsing forward to Jesus' resurrection. That's the message of the gospel, that in the midst of death and suffering, there is new life and resurrection. Yet at the same time, as that greater mission is unfolding, Jesus stands face to face with those in pain, and he weeps with those who weep, and he mourns with those who mourn, and he stands with us in our questions, our accusations and in our confusion. And I think for me this time reading through John chapter 11 that's what sticks out to me the most is Jesus' interactions with Martha and with Mary as they ask these questions and accusations and in their confusion and their grief and their suffering. Lord, if only you had been here my brother would not have died. Lord, if only you had been here. Lord, if only. What are the if onlys that you have? And I think it's in those moments that Jesus stands with us and he weeps. And with that in mind, I invite you into a time of imaginative prayer. Take a deep breath to focus your heart and your mind on God. Now imagine that you are in Mary's place, approaching Jesus. Grief. Anger and confusion are in your heart because of your situation. And as you approach Jesus, you just let it all out. Lord, if only you had been here. What is that thing in your life that's the if only? What's the thing that you've been praying about, wrestling through, grieving, questioning, That thing that if God would just show up, if he would just do something about it, it would all be better. In this moment, imagine yourself bringing that to Jesus. After you've spoken your heart to Jesus, imagine that he reaches out with his hands and he gently grabs your face and looks at you directly in the eyes. And as he stares at you with compassion, you notice tears rolling down his cheeks. And you realize in this moment that Jesus sees you he knows you, and he knows exactly what you're feeling, and he is grieving with you, you are not alone. He doesn't give you an answer, but you discover more than an answer, you needed to be seen. And you realize that maybe you don't need an answer because there's something about Jesus that leads you to trust him, to trust that he is with you and he is for you and that there is a bigger story and somehow Jesus will bring about goodness and wholeness and peace. And somehow this moment is a starting point for all of that to happen.